This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. I want to say before I announce who's on this week's episode that I lied to you listeners last week. I told you that we were going to be talking about our Goodreads picks, and I don't know why I thought that. I just read, read my schedule wrong or something, because this week I am joined by the magical pair of sword and sorcery <laughs> that we all crave. I am joined by Paul Jaceley. Hey, humanoids. And today we are welcoming back Tia Vasiliu. Hello. Tia Paul, I'm so happy that you're both here with me this week. So excited to talk about comic books. And Tia, you've been gone for a little bit. So I do want to say before we get into things, we're so excited to have you back as you know, regularly showing up on the show. How have you been? How have every has everything been with you? <laughs> I know that the world's on fire, but you know, you're back on the show, back on the comics train. What's going on? Yeah, I missed everyone. It's good to be back. In terms of logistics, I moved back to California and I live at the beach now, <laughs> which is great. I, you say that and it, it blows my mind some of the pictures that you you send. I've seen on the internet that you've posted like you actually live like right on the beach, right? I do. Yeah. So like there's the beach and then there's like the little bike path and then um, you go up the stairs to the street. And then if you cross the street, that's where I live. Wow. That's amazing. It's great. It's great. Yeah. If if you follow me on Twitter, you will see all of the Sky Report pictures that I post because sunsets are pretty great here. Yeah. Yeah. To say the least, that's it's it's quite a sight to behold. I have can't imagine what it looks like when you're actually there. So one day when the world is is somehow safe again to travel, you know, maybe we'll make I'll make my way out to California yes. to say hello. We should mm-hmm. do an IRCB beach hang. Oh I've got the hideout, the hide a bed, and it's all good. And you know, if the ocean, if we're not feeling the ocean, I also have a, a heated pool in my apartment complex. So we've oh got a lot of options. Is California like the most perfect place ever? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> I've been trying to tell everybody. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so excited to have you back on the show. You know, I I want to say before we get into comics and stuff, we've got like two small announcements. One, I want to shout out to our latest patron, Matt. Welcome to the club. You're you're part of the fold. Now you can listen to tons and tons of backlog stuff of, that we've got. IRCB Movie Club, Mike and Paul Reed, Doom Patrol, Saga of Saga, Giant Days of Our Lives. You have access to all this stuff. Welcome. And I also want to say I have an official prepared statement uh, about the new Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse preview that de- debuted, I think, yesterday. And I'd like to read that for all of you really quick, if you guys don't mind. A prepared statement. It's very official. Ah! <laughs> um, that's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I cannot believe that fucking trailer. So, wow. uh, <laughs> it was amazing, right? It wow. It's, uh, I didn't, I didn't know how they were going to do more of the spider verse. And what I've seen so far is, uh, it's quite something. So <laughs> highly recommend you check that out. I think Brian posted the link in a chat. Yeah. Take a moment and go watch that everybody, because it's worth the scream that I just angered everyone in my household um, <laughs> with. Did you notice Gwen's shoes? That was what I noticed. That was my takeaway. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I've not watched it yet, um, but I'm excited. I will have to check it out. I'll make a note. Uh, maybe I'll have the same reaction. Yeah, um, you know, being kind of the only person who maybe didn't love the live action uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, that was called, uh, trailer. I, yeah. I'm, yeah. I definitely liked Into the Spider-Verse as a film a lot more than the other more recent Spider-Man films. So I'm mm-hmm. excited for this. I'll, I will make sure to, you know, get myself in a comfortable place, have an adult beverage on on hand, watch the trailer, <laughs> and then let you know what I thought of it, Mike. I'm I'm so excited to hear your thoughts. I mean, Brian posted that yesterday, <laughs> sure. and I was I was just hyped. Like I I think I watched it four or five times. So, wow. 
I mean, you gotta love my favorite part about this. I know we're going to talk about comics. I promise everybody <laughs> we're going to get into them. My favorite part about it is the way that Miles swings, mm-hmm. right? He like mm-hmm. does this thing where he kind of just spins like almost absentmindedly. It's just, I don't know. It's so unique. And I just love the way that it looks. Yeah. Anyways, um, let's, let's get into comics. Uh, you know, I've got two legally mandated questions that I have to ask every single week <laughs> on the show. And it's how have you been? How have comic books been? Um, so I'm going to start with you, Paul. How have you been? How have comics been? I've been good, Mike. I've been good. Um, for those curious here in West Michigan, the weather has been kind of shitty. Um, it's begrudgingly becoming winter, you know, so we had a few nice days last week, you know, low 40s, some sunshine. Uh, today, it's just been snowing and raining all day. But that weird mix where it's like not quite cold enough to be like the winter wonderland type snow. It just everything's kind of gray and wet. So sure. Pretty gross. Sure. Uh, but whatever. Uh, that's the price I pay for living in Michigan and not on the beach like some of us can. <laughs> um, <laughs> other than that, you know, I've been I've been good. It's weird. I've been kind of weirdly busy, um, even though I don't have much to show for it. I haven't had a lot of time to read a lot of comics. Uh, the problem with that is that I am still going to the store to buy my comics regularly, so I have this piles of unread single issues laying around, and it reaches a point where it becomes a daunting task. It feels like a chore to sit down and read comics, which is what you don't want. I mean, that's the last sure. thing you want. So um, I'm trying to power through, spend, you know, read an issue or two here or there each day to kind of burn through that those stacks of books and kind of get back to where it's a leisurely activity. But I read a couple of things recently that I did want to talk about on the show because I thought they were pretty interesting. Uh, one of them was Superman number, uh, sorry, Superman 78, number three. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is a mini series that DC is doing. It's basically a Superman comic that's set in the world of the 1978 Christopher Reeve, Richard Donner Superman film. Uh, it's written by Robert Venditti, art by Alfredo Torres, and colors by Jordi Belair. Um, it's a fun book. You know, I grew up watching Superman and Superman 2 pretty regularly. So. That well, aesthetic you like Superman. Me. I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing. No, I don't uh, like Superman, Mike. I love Superman, <laughs> of course. Uh, and I love these movies. You know, there is something very aesthetically nostalgic for me about these films, and it's fun to see that world taken to the next level. Doing stuff you can't really do on a movie screen, particularly nineteen seventy eight. Doing it mm-hmm, in a comic mm-hmm. book. Um, the main plot here is that Brainiac shows up. Um, and of course, Brainiac wants to kidnap Superman because he's a outlier. You know, he's the last Kryptonian, and you know, according to Brainiac's sort of super logical uh, thought process, uh, that Kryptonian needs to be in the bottle city of Candor that he's cataloged. You know, on his spaceship. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I've always thought Brainiac Classic. was I've always thought Brainiac was a cool villain, and I'm always surprised he never shows up in any of the movies just because it is such a striking image and a cool story. So here you have basically doing that with the characters from the Superman film. And I like Wilfredo Torres's artwork because he is able to do a sort of characterized version of the actors without making it super realistic or detailed. You know, sometimes when you do that, it looks too stiff. His artwork is just simplistic enough where it clearly is Christopher Reeve and uh, why am I blanking on her name? Uh, Well, it's Christopher Reeve and it's Gene Hackman and it's Margot Kidder, you know, from the movies on the comic book page. Yeah. You know, it looks fun. And in this issue, issue number three, we get to the kind of cool Superman shit that I like, where Superman gives himself up to Brainiac in exchange for protecting Metropolis. Uh, Brainiac mm. puts Superman in the bottle city of Candor, and guess who Superman sees? 
his parents, his Kryptonian parents are there in the bottle city of Candor. He has a nice reunion oh with my. them. So it's fun stuff. You know, if you're a fan of those films, there's no reason you wouldn't like this book. So uh, it's a six issue miniseries and this is issue three. So uh, I'm having fun with it. It's good stuff. Did they, did they re did Wilfredo Torres d- depict Jorel as um, the, the godfather whose name is been blanking on? <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it it, it is a, a marlon brando uh marlon brando yes, thank you yes of course i mean it's always so funny to me in that first superman film marlon brando gets top billing and he's in that movie for like five minutes you know what i mean and he's clearly <laughs> phoning it in you watch that movie like oh, this yeah. guy just he's there for one afternoon gets his paycheck and bounces but sure enough you know with a name like that that's a good way to sell a movie back in the 70s right so no, it's Absolutely. fun stuff. I mean, again, it's super nostalgic. I know DC is also doing the Batman 89 series, which is kind of the same thing, just with the, mm-hmm. the Tim Burton Batman universe. And uh, yeah, these are both fun series if you're fans of, of those films. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Tia, uh, have you read anything recently you want to, uh, you want to mention? Yeah. So I will preface this by saying um, for the past, I don't know, what are we going on two years now of this Mm. new world order that we all have been thrust into? Um, I have really struggled to read literally anything. My attention span is like, if you're doing a three minute TikTok video, I'm probably scrolling. Uh, I have no attention span. I can't watch TV. I can't watch movies. I can't read. It's been really, really upsetting. Like, Hmm. I think that for a lot of us who are into comics, we always think of it as like a big part of our community and a big part of Mm -hmm. our identity. And to have this like really isolating world event going on and then on top of it, the like outlet that you usually use to connect to people is all of a sudden just like kind of far feels very far off and unattainable can be Mm -hmm. that like it's been really frustrating not gonna Mm -hmm. lie so I don't know I'm just putting that out there in case other people have felt that way because it always is good to talk about things like that you're usually not the only one and um yeah it's perfectly fine if you can't read comics you're still part of the crew don't worry Mm -hmm. and um it's okay to just pick up your you know, favorite comic that you've read a million times and reread it if that's where you are, which is where I am and is what I did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So um, I I kind of thought, well, I'll, I'll ease back into media with Hawkeye because it's a favorite. I can watch the show and read the comic and kind of pull myself along with like already being familiar with it. So my attention span doesn't have to work so hard and it's just a really enjoyable thing. So yeah, the uh, the Fraction Aha comic with the Hollingsworth colors, Eliopolis on letters, and then there's all the little special um, appearances by like Polito, Wu, Lieber, Hum, Frank Villa. There's like a lot of big names on this book. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that part of the reason it's one of my favorites is that it just has such a strong aesthetic. And I don't even just mean that with the visuals. Like even the writing falls into that aesthetic. Like it's a very tight aesthetic and it does a lot with a little. It, like the mm-hmm. art's very graphic. The color palette is very curated. The, the writing is pretty quippy. And that can sometimes get obnoxious. Like I feel like the Marvel Now era... In the beginning, the writing was super quippy and charming, and then it almost like got a little bit too quippy and like 
bogged down by like Hamilton references and stuff and kind of like, (laughs) you know, like at the beginning of the Marvel Now era, it was cool and great and new. And then I just feel like it never evolved into its potential. And it kind of fizzled out with with that same quippiness that at the beginning was so enticing. And I think that it it holds up in the books like Hawkeye, like the early Mm -hmm. adopters of that style. Well, I I think the the biggest problem with that is, you know, like Hawkeye, you, you set off with this phase one of Marvel now, right? And there's like this quippiness and there's this smartness and it feels like really snappy. But like in order to keep that up, you have to evolve. Like there has to be a like a pro- like progress moving forward as you've done this already once. You can't just keep repeating, repeating the same bit. The problem is I think a lot of the Marvel books are just like, let's just keep doing what Hawkeye did. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. You, you have to evolve on top of this, yeah. right? Definitely. Definitely. Um, Because honestly, I really do think that for things like the Clint's hearing loss or like the pizza dog issue, it tells a really strong visual story without getting super baroque, you know, like it's really quite lean for what it does. And I think that's great for people like me who are really struggling to, you know, sit down and read something like I can't read something that's really wordy and twisted and you know what i mean like just give me graphic give me bold give me loud i also really just love the whole what if superheroes were just normal people who are sometimes good at stuff but mostly just really bad at like being people (laughs) you know i feel that so hard lately and so comparing this to the show because i'm kind of reading as i as i've been watching yeah Mm -hmm. I feel everyone's annoyance that Fraction and Aha are not getting, not having their like do sung from the rooftops for how blatantly the show is lifting like direct word for word lines and like Mm -hmm. the opening credits and just the visuals in general. Kate's whole apartment. I was like, how did they do that? How did they remake a comic book (laughs) panel into a fucking apartment? I was blown away by that. Yeah. And then there's actually some things that the show changed and not the show, I guess, like the MCU changed and they are running with it that I think. So I'll just say what I mean here. Um, (laughs) I've always been so annoyed by Clint's like secret family on the farm. Right. Like that always just Mm -hmm. seemed so (laughs) stupid to me. I think it actually works brilliantly in the show. And I'm actually for the first time ever, I'm glad that that's part of his character in MCU Mm -hmm. because it totally eliminates any kind of crush situation Mm -hmm. or like it just like it makes him more like dad Clint with Kate and there's no oh my god you know yeah yeah yeah. so that I really like but um yeah reading the book and watching the show at the same time I'm just like oh my god you guys like just yeah like you said you literally just recreated this comic and show yeah yeah it feels really good. I, I will say I watched only the first two episodes. I haven't seen the third yet, mm-hmm. um, but man, it feels really good so far. The, actually, I will say the one thing I think is maybe they missed a little bit is the the tracksuit guys. I think in the show, they're kind of goofy and like uh, too much, whereas I feel like Fraction wrote them almost just a hair more believable, if that makes sure, sense. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I think that he said that he they're inspired by a person that he had encountered in real life. So maybe <laughs> because he had that like bigger context, he was able to hit the notes right. Whereas if the show was only referencing the book, that you know, it's kind of like a game of telephone. Sure. Anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, go I was ahead, just gonna sorry. say, I think it, I think that's interesting because like the 
Fraction is a very funny writer, but I don't think Hawkeye is a, like a funny book. I mean, there's funny moments in it, but it's not a comedy. You know what I mean? Right. And I think the show, I, the MCU in general has basically said, like, oh, look, everyone liked Ragnarok. Let's throw a lot of quips in there. So it's it's a tough <laughs> yeah, to match that same point. aesthetic, you know, and that same feeling. But that's one of the things I always liked about this Hawkeye run. You know, it, it does stand alone. This is one of those comics that I know so many people who don't read comics regularly who have read this. Just because like yeah. a friend handed it to him or said, hey, check this out. Mm-hmm. It's a nice standalone kind of book. You don't have to really know anything about Hawkeye or Clint Barton uh, or you know anything else to jump into this book and enjoy it. That's kind of – I'm hoping the show can do that as well, you know, so yeah. make the character appealing. I mean, again, it is so fascinating to me to see a writer like that, who like Fraction, who's able to be sort of um, – what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, like selfish or something. He makes so many inside jokes to himself that – just probably most people probably don't get and he can kind of get away with it which i always find interesting again there's those issues uh where kate bishop is literally just jim rockford from the rockford files like that's what she's doing <laughs> in california like it's amazing mm-hmm. and there's one issue where, like uh, hawkeye's neighbor like mentions makes a joke about bruce kulik who was the guitar player for kiss from 84 to 96 like no one's gonna know who bruce kulik is well i mean i do i mean no one's that's not a fucking loser <laughs> is gonna know who bruce kulik is <laughs> But there, I mean, but the reference is there. And as someone who does does know that, it delights me to no end that that he put that in a mainstream Marvel book, you know. So yeah, yeah. And you anyway. know what? What you're talking about, I think, is is kind of what I am picking up on about the the tracksuit guys and the difference in the show because he doesn't try so hard when right. like when Fraction writes. Like you're right, he's just kind of like writing what's funny to him, and you know, we I th- I think that what sells it and what makes us go along with it is how structurally good the writing is. So like there's a framework that we can climb through even if we don't get every reference, we still know it's funny in a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and yeah, then mm-hmm. I think if you layer um Aha's work on top of that and the exceptional visual storytelling and and visual pacing, it just like it's a they do so much work and it's so invisible. It's like those people that you meet and they just are like, they're so charming that they make you feel charming and you love hanging out with them. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, I, sorry, that's just such a perfect way to describe this book. I love it so much. <laughs> well, look, if you're struggling to read or engage with media because of your pandemic brain, which is a thing they just did a study from Harvard saying that even if you didn't have COVID, COVID brain is a thing. Like the brain fog that you're feeling, it's like because of the stress of this mm, absolutely, yeah, moment absolutely. in time. So um, Hawkeye maybe could make you feel better. Anyway, um, <laughs> Mike, I bet you've read some comics. Oh, I... You know, I read a lot of comic books. So, Tia, I had the exact opposite effect in that I had to I forced myself into this weird habit of like, if I don't read comic books to block out the entire world, then I think I'm going to fall apart. (laughs) And so that's kind of where I've been for a long time. Maybe folks on the show have noticed that, that whatever I talk about a lot of different all over the board comic books. Maybe that's new, maybe it's not, but it feels new to me. Uh, so that being said, I did just like cram my brain through um, or cram my brain into a bunch of different comics, especially with just like plans getting canceled and moved and all over the place. So, yeah, I'll try to go through some of these real, real quick. 
So I was, I've been trying to dig through a bunch of my Kickstarter books that I backed. And I do this thing where I just like blindly go, yeah, that looks good. And I back something and then I back the next four Kickstarters. <laughs> that's like the continuation of the series. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they win or sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. Uh, fortunately, the one that I read this week um, by Kaylin Smith called For Goodness Sake, this is volumes one through three of the series, all bangers, all really good. Probably not like the most, you know, it, this isn't going to change your mind about how you read comics, but it's a it's a really fun story okay. um, with the synopsis being Rain is an artist who's living hashtag bus life. <laughs> She's driving around in like a retrofitted bus and uh, she runs into a man who is or appears to be a demon. She takes a risk on helping him figure out how to turn back into a human. And it turns out he's kind of an asshole. And maybe that's why he's a demon in the first place. Kind of feels like I, I mentioned this story idea to kelly and she was like yeah this is how a lot of the books that i read start (laughs) i was like okay um because it's it's kind of romantic kind of platonic um and it's it's a really solid just story from from beginning to end yeah i don't know and so as the story goes on there you know their friendship blossoms and they you know each bring out their respective baggage and they unpack it um and kind of it begins to ask the question of like is anyone truly evil? Um, what is the root of evil? Uh, how can you say a person is evil if people are able to change? And it's 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 a really nice book. I made it sound maybe a little bit more existential than it actually is, but it does kind of get to that. That's kind of at the core of the series. And so the, as the story goes on, we get to meet these characters. And uh, yeah, Kaylin Smith, her, her art is just absolutely beautiful. I think like if you're a fan of someone or if you're someone that reads a lot of like webtoons or webcomics, you're going to feel right at home with this book. It's cartoony, but real like she, like Smith definitely has like a distinctive style, but by no means do I feel like this book is, I don't know, like too animated by any means. It's very grounded in a lot of ways. But um, of course, this guy is turning into a demon as the story goes on, depending on how people feel about him, which is kind of like the core of the book. Yeah, I liked it. I really like the look of it. I like the feel of it. Like the writing is very solid overall. Um, there's some very, very harsh bits in the book that are like this is some serious like I thought these people were just gonna go on a fun trip and it turns out like really bad things have happened in their life and I think the way that Smith unpacks it it doesn't feel forced it feels really natural yeah I was really impressed with how in a 300 pages you're able to get an extremely strong well-written well-paced story the end is a little bit abrupt but there is an afterward that kind of fixes some of the issues that I had um, with the ending so like Yeah, I I will say, like, I wouldn't have minded another volume of this series by any means. Like, I would have loved to see another two volumes of them just traveling and figuring each other out and kind of exploring things and getting to know each other even more. Um, And you get that in some of the afterward comics in volume two. But um, yeah, I backed this book on volume one thinking, yeah, this looks nice. And then volume two came out and then volume three came out and I just kept putting money towards it. (laughs) Um, And it turns out it paid off. So I'm I'm very, very happy with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Nice. And yeah, I think I think Kate Lamphere might have turned me on to this artist. I think she might have met Kaylin Smith at like a zine fest or something. And I just was like, yeah, let's just blindly throw money at a comic that I think has promise. <laughs> um, I'm sure we all do that, right? That's a normal oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um one other thing i will i will bring up i i read so many comics this week um i do want to shout out this new junie ba book that uh came out or is coming out called monkey meat it's coming out in january if you don't know junie ba they did the book uh uh 
I think it's Jayla is the name of the book. It's, it's from TKO Studios. And it's a that's a beautiful African folklore story about a king who refuses the crown and some really interesting stuff. Beautiful art from beginning to end. But Monkey Meat is a five-issue miniseries set in a fantasy land of chaos, magic, and extreme capitalism. And the first two issues are fucking incredible. Hmm. Going from this like very heartfelt, kind of fun jayla book into monkey meat i didn't know what to expect but the first issue is just like in your face like this is manufactured capitalism and you know people find this thing in this ancient land and they mine the shit out of it and destroy the people that live there and there's one person who's kind of there from the beginning and he acts as the janitor for everything and so this first issue focuses on him and i i you know can't really spoil it too much but there is not a specific thing about this book beyond a reoccurring character so like the first two issues i read um are just kind of about this monkey meat island where this thing is produced and um but yeah, it all comes down to this extremely thin veil of bonkers stories hiding behind or hiding the idea capitalism is chewing every single person involved in it, turning you into nothing. It is up to you to rebel, rebel, rebel. That seems to be like the overall gist of it. And I fucking love that. Hmm. Uh, Junie Ba is not hiding the, the subtext in this book by any means. But yeah, they, you know, they take like all of the turns and twists of this story into like explosive anime inspired comedy that uh, really succeeds on its breakneck pace and the turns and shifts in like sudden things that just happen to kind of wrap up the little stories um, in these first two issues. It's, it's really, really explosive. I can't even describe <laughs> it any better than that. So I, I really, really think that everyone's going to love this book. Um, you're, it's going to make your eyes bleed. It's going to make your mind melt. It's going to give you an eight pack from laughing so hard. Like it's very funny, but also very scary when you start to think of the ideas beyond just the, the context of the comic. Hmm. And yeah, like the first two issues, the one-off stories are fantastic. Um, I, I absolutely love it. The last thing I'll say about this, because I've just been ranting, I can't talk about this book enough. Junie Ba's art is some of the best that you can find in comics that doesn't feel like your standard comic book art. Mm -hmm. Like they draw in such a way that everything is humongous. Like every page is filled up to the brim with color and specific layout and structure. Like I don't think Junie Ba thinks in pages or panels i mean i think they think in full pages and two pages and how pages are going to line up side by side even if they're not connected like they're thinking as as like a mural like if you laid out every page of this book as a mural you would see something bigger in all of it uh every single one of their pages is just jaw dropping and i was floored by just the the range of things that they were able to draw and still feel just insane like it's this is like it's like a neon color sphere of of chaos that tells a very tight cohesive story that all comes back to this idea that we are being devoured by capitalism and there's only so much one person can do but if many people work together there may be something there and that's there in the art it's there in the storytelling it's in everything like just scenes of massive monstrous mechanisms and tiny little people it's just, I don't know, jaw-dropping. Uh, so go pre-order this book is all I can say. I just want everybody to read this book because it's so cool. So mind-blowing. Okay. I'll pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are feeling this like capitalism thing is probably bad. <laughs> this yeah. book just fucking nails it. Um, I uh, will be able to read it even though I'm vegan. I have mixed feelings about this title. 
Oh, oh, Paul. Oh, man. When you get into the core of what monkey meat actually is, boy, oh, boy, it's going to... Uh, I think you'll feel more than comfortable okay. reading this Okay, wonderful. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I kind of looked up some of the preview art for this, and yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I will definitely be checking this out. Thanks, Mike. And yeah, I guess, Paul, did you read anything else oh, um, You know, in your time that you've had in the last couple weeks? A few things. Uh, one I did want to mention, I don't know if anyone else mentioned on the show, I want to uh, highlight it because I really enjoyed it. And that's uh, Catwoman Lonely City number one. Uh, this is a mini series mm. uh, from DC's Black Label imprint. Um, so it's one of those big magazine size, oversized comics. And here's the thing it's written and drawn by Cliff Chang. So you get big, oversized Ooh. Cliff Chang artwork. It's all colored by him. His artwork is amazing. It's him drawing a sort of future Elseworlds type Catwoman story where uh, it's set 10 years after. Batman, Joker, Nightwing, and Jim Gordon all were killed on the same night uh, in this tragic uh, event. And you don't get too much into that in this first issue, but you're basically just having Catwoman, uh, Selena Kyle, released from prison 10 years after that night. And it's, you know, she has a mission now that she's on. She wants to break into the Batcave and uncover some secrets about what happened. So it's it's a pretty solid setup. And what's nice is that Doing this sort of future Elseworlds, you know, uh, speculative type story, you get to play around with characters. You know, she goes to visit the Penguin, who's still around, and uh, Harvey Dent is now the mayor of uh, Gotham. Uh, the police department has this whole army of like robotic <laughs> bat cops that control the city. It's fun stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, again, it's <laughs> much like the Superman book I was discussing earlier. There's something just very comforting about reading a good Batman story. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. on top of that, you do have one of my absolute favorite artists, Cliff Chang. Writing and drawing it, coloring it. You know when you were reading Paper Girls and like you just stare at the page, like why are all these colors happening on the page, and how does it all make sense and work? You're getting that in mm-hmm. this book too, where it's just like, okay, well that's neon pink and this is green, and it shouldn't work, but somehow it all makes sense. Just like his a sense of aesthetics and sense of color is, yeah. is just mind blowing. So uh, this again, this is a mini series. That's just the first issue I read. Very excited to see where it goes. I think this could be another story where. If you have a passing enjoyment of Batman comics, this might be one to check out, even if you're not, if you're not like a regular Batman reader. So it's a pretty solid story. And again, it looks fucking incredible because it's Cliff Chang. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I've had this one recommended to me by a few other people. So it's definitely on my list of new things to push my brain to to read. Because, yeah, the, the art that I've just seen from like previous pages look beautiful yeah mm-hmm. it's very good stuff it's it's so wild i don't understand why why dc elsewhere books are better than the regular <laughs> books why is that a thing <laughs> well you know you get if you give artists certain parameters i think the main series books have to conform to certain things and there are so many stakeholders and there are so many people giving feedback about what it should be. Whereas Mm -hmm, I feel like mm -hmm. maybe the things that are considered out of canon or side stories or one shots or mini series might have a little bit more freedom. And like at at the end of the day, um, I feel like there's two categories of like what makes a book successful. And by successful, I mean people buy it and and read it. And one of them is Batman's always going to sell books, right? Spider-Man's always going to sell books. Like there are people who will literally just follow the characters anywhere. Yeah. And then there are people who will follow the creators anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that as interested, and I'm not 
like making a hierarchy here. Both are equally valid. But if you sure. if you're interested in the art in the writing, like in the craft of comics and and not just the characters, then I think that's that's where like the kind of off the beaten path stuff resonates more. So it does. So like, I agree with you, Paul, I'm like, why don't they let people yeah. just do this more? But you know, like <laughs> I get it that like, they have to be really protective sometimes of Batman or whatever. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. but it's nice that there's this other outlet where we could see, see people kind of be a little more experimental. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's totally true. And again, actually to tie it back to our discussion on Hawkeye, I think when that Hawkeye series first started, you know, I wasn't reading Marvel comics regularly, but I remember hearing people talking about how Fraction's take on Clint Barton didn't match up with the history of the character. Like it's not the same character. It is kind right. of a sure. an alternate quote unquote take, even though it's set in mainstream continuity, it does feel different. And that's what makes it an easy book for a non-regular comic book reader, a non-regular Marvel reader to jump on and really enjoy. And I think that's the reason DC started doing a lot of Elseworlds stuff in the 90s because they could sell these prestige-sized books, maybe more uh, classic, more um, traditional bookstore settings rather than comic shops. You can attract people that like, hey, I haven't read a Batman comic maybe ever, but this looks cool and I want to buy it. it. They're designed to attract a different audience. And that may be why they're better for casual readers and therefore maybe better crafted stories because they don't have the, they're not assuming that people know everything that's going on. Does that make sense? So it's right. like, you know, yeah. I read the mainstream Batman title regularly. I'm kind of, I'm one of those people that's probably always going to be buying Batman. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. mm-hmm. at the same time, I really love seeing other artists interpret it and take it in these different directions. It's, 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 you, I love both versions of the character, so to speak. And I think it's also notable and correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't get the impression that Hawkeye was a big deal in right. The Marvel world, so I I feel like they were sort of like, yeah, do whatever you want with this like C list <laughs> guy that people know about, yeah. you know. Yeah. He just shoots arrows. Who cares, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and his like his outfit was so stupid before. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm so you uh, know I funny. I regularly like argue with a friend of mine about costumes in comic books because. I think that a good costume is one that looks like it exists in the real world. I think that a good costume is one that cosplayers can can make or that people, mm-hmm. you know, that realism in costumes to me is very important. Um, and my friend has like the total opposite take. Like he's always arguing that, you know, that should be the last consideration and that like you should just go with it in the story. And if they're like ridiculous and over the top and could never exist in real life, like that's not what you should be thinking about. And so I guess like another reason I really loved Hawkeye was that the, they just dressed like more realistically. Mm -hmm. Like, like Kate Bishop's old, like I, I really feel like they, they did dirty the, the team of the, um, young avengers presents because like in the hawkeye volume one hardcover there's an episode or an episode there's an issue of um young avengers presents in the back and Mm. it just like it's like kate's stupid costume that's like way too sexy and her boobs are huge and like the Mm. art is is like very like just regular comic art. It's not bad, but it's just there's nothing there's not like a point of view you know and like when you put it right next to some of this like aha work you're just like yeah some comics are just 
meet and deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> Danny has a question uh, from the Discord. He said, hip holes or no hip holes on Kate? No hip holes. <laughs> oh, this is actually, I just had an argument with my friend about this the other day because no I think that the hip holes are there to show you that a teenage girl is not wearing underwear. Mm-hmm. So just oh, think about yeah. that for a minute. If, yeah. if you're yeah. pro hip holes, <laughs> <laughs> we're coming for the pro hip hole lobby tonight. <laughs> I <so>. am. Yes, <laughs> fill those in. And actually, I think Jamie filled those in for Young Avengers. Oh, like, okay. and, and to like to to just take that a, a little further because I don't want to pile on Aha, who I think gave like went with the hip holes. I sure. vividly remember opening Hawkeye and seeing Kate's body type. She's very square. She's flat chested. You know, she's like not super like w- tiny wasp waist. Mm-hmm. She's sure. a little short. And I'm like, oh, that's a normal girl's body. Mm-hmm. You know, when's the last time you saw that in a comic? I don't even know. So I will I will give David Aha his due for like treating Kate with a little more dignity as a real, you know, as a real person. But yeah, mm-hmm. the the hip holes are not it, friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and just a really quick on, on one more thing on this, because I, I always appreciated this about the Runaways book that uh, uh, Chris Anka drew for a while, right? Anka did a really good job at the end of every issue kind of going through like what the outfits were that he drew, or maybe he posted them on Instagram. I can't remember. Um, but you know, he, all the characters in, in the runaways version that he did with rainbow Rowell, Rowell was like, everyone was wearing practical clothing, mm-hmm. right. In almost every single scenario, I think with the exception of like, I think Nico had like a very special dress that she would like get into, but it was all magic based. Right. And Lucy in the sky also wore like, you know, crazy things when she was flying. But beyond that, you know, um, and, I think when when Anka was on the book, after every issue, he would post online like, "Well, here are the outfits that each of the characters were wearing." To what, to like almost encouraging cosplayers to say, you know, if you want to dress up as issue six, uh, Chase, yeah. go for it. Here's the outfit that he was wearing, and it's just like you know a simple tank top and like a you know a button up shirt. But it's like you could get all of those items. I could then go and be you know Chase if I wanted to, or I could go dress up as as Nico, you know, if I wanted to. Totally, yeah. Uh, it's really really cool. That's why Wickdiff, I think, was able to have such a like really hardcore fan base because like it was so easy to inhabit like w- with the way that you dressed if you wanted yeah. to. And honestly, yeah. like to take it back to Superman, Paul, um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. this is a big blocker for me getting into characters like superman because i just can't get past the costume (laughs) yeah fair enough no fair (laughs) enough i think that uh i think that's some people's hang up people just can't get over the fact that uh he wears red underwear you know i mean that's the biggest literally it feels like such a petty thing but like i almost wish i could hire a comic book artist (laughs) to draw some superman comics using the exact same scripts but dress him normal and like i bet i would love superman i bet i would wow i mean but the fact look ma kent made the costume out of the blankets he was swaddled in in the spaceship it's (laughs) intrinsic to the character that it looks that way so He's a strong man, right? He's from, anyways. Yeah. Uh, Wouldn't it be great? Just, you know what? DC needs to hire me to write a mini series where Superman has a Marie Kondo moment where he's like, <laughs> "This outfit is not like does not bring me joy anymore. Um, uh-huh. I need to thank it and put it away." 
<laughs> I, I, there's a Superman story where Superman lands in Paris, and um, oh yeah, they he are not up... letting him wear that in Paris. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He grows up in Paris, and his outfit is like of the time of the 50s and 60s in in France. Sure. Come on, okay. How cool would that be? <laughs> yeah. I just you yeah. know they they address that in. I've always liked that they address that in the Richard Donner Superman film. Like when the first time you see Clark Kent take off the suit and become, he's wearing the Superman suit, and I love the simplicity of the that version of the suit. It looks like it's from the comic. You know, they didn't go too far afield with that version for the movie. And he's walking down the street and there's a guy who's clearly supposed to be uh, a, a, a pimp, I guess. Uh, this guy wearing this like super flashy costume or super flashy suit. And he looks at Superman and says, man, those clothes are fly. And it's like, well, yeah, Superman <laughs> looks cool. You know what I mean? Everyone recognizes it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It worked for me. Listen, this is this is an entire. You know, this I think could be an entire episode. I I want to get through to one more, do more comics really quick before we take a quick break. I read what's the furthest place from here. It took me a little bit of time. I don't know if you guys saw this book. I remember everybody in their in their sibling was freaking out about this. Right? Yep. Uh, Matt Rosenberg, Tyler Boss's new joint that everyone's like clamoring for. You couldn't get the vinyl copies. Couldn't get the special edition. Happened to me. I tried to pre order it. Diamond just didn't send my shop any copies. Oh no. Um, they're very mad about it but anyways everyone keeps calling this the lord of the flies in a record shop and all i could think of was neverland from hook meets the warriors so like if either of those aesthetics are like your thing you're gonna dig this book yeah but tyler boss is is pretty pretty solid in this rosenberg's writing is very good overall i would say this book is kind of in the middle it's maybe four out of five out if you have to put a number on it because i'm a jerk um but i think with the xl size issue they really got to pace things correctly Mm -hmm. i think if this had been a 24 issue or even 32 pages it would have not worked at all no but with the oversized issue i think it was like 64 pages or something um it was solid from beginning to end it's a really good read i would say like is this better than four kids walk into a bank no i don't think it's as groundbreaking i wouldn't say that it's like their sophomore slump i think that's too harsh mm-hmm. um because it is good i think it's it's a really solid book i think rosenberg has like a really incredible grasp on making a comic feel naturally slow but well paced at the same time you never feel bored no. but you never feel like it's breakneck speed or like it's it's nonstop action even when the the tension is built up um the story still feels very like slow like it's creeping along but almost at a menacing pace in a weird way like the blob coming after you you know yeah i i I totally agree i think um well i will say that this book i don't think they're it feels different enough from four kids walking to bank so i didn't even make that connection i wasn't trying to compare the two when i was reading it you know i mean like sure four kids walk to bank is very self-aware that it's funny and having fun this book, mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. are funny moments in this book, but it's not attempting to be a humorous book. It's pretty f- serious compared to the uh, uh, Four Kids Walking to a Bank, you know? Yeah, but there, there's still like, the, that. the one note, last thing I'll say is there's still like a note of brevity to this book, like a childish feel. Yeah. Where like, these guys, you know, the, the two factions of kids slash teenagers are like, well, you broke the rules. Well, you only broke the rules because you broke the rules. And there's like this moment of like, um, hold on, let's let me reconvene. And it's kind of dorky and <laughs> kind of, the same way that four kids walk into into a bank had that kind of like childish like establishment of, of rules and settings that are malleable and like it's kind of a thing that you only get with children and yeah. i got that same feel from this book again this the subject matter is clearly a little bit more serious but at the same time there is that brevity there um which made me draw right back to four kids walk into a bank like sure. it's still like there's a childish mentality that's still kind of 
is overhanging the entire run. And it makes sense. It's just teenagers trying to survive in like a desolate wasteland. Mm -hmm. And they're the only people there. There are no adults. And that's for a reason. You know, so yeah, I, I feel like maybe the first issue was a little bit lighter than maybe the series is going to be in it. When I say sure. lighter, I mean like PG 13 instead yeah. of rated R, but I do feel like that darkness of the series is going to creep up on us. It's going to be really interesting uh, once we get deeper into the mystery of the, of the series. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope so. I mean, I really like this issue a lot. Um, again, it speaks right to me. I fucking love the warriors. And so that connection, that aesthetic <laughs> works for me um, yeah. again. And they, they hang out in a record store and there's like an implication. And of course it was like, me reading the book, like, oh, got that one record. Oh, I don't have that one. Like, there's this, like, spot the reference a lot when they're in the record store. Like, me of recognizing yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then, like, there's a point where I think they don't address it directly, but there's a mention of, like, as when you become an adult, when you grow up and have to, like, leave, you pick, like, an album that's, like, your, like, it's, like, a totem totemistic kind of thing. Like, this is my record. This is mm-hmm. my identity. And, like, that's something you do as a music fan. Like, like this record speaks to me and it's important to me. And, like, the whole issue, mm-hmm. I kept thinking, like, what record would I pick when I, if I had to choose, you know, th- that one to identify with? So, I yeah. really enjoyed that aspect of the story, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it Like, the, all the concepts are there are cool. Like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to knock on this mm-hmm. book. I think that there's a lot of really cool shit. I really appreciated the afterward from Rosenberg and from Boss, just them talking about the importance of music in their life. And I totally yeah. get that. Yeah. But yeah, like, it's it's good. I'm really excited for the next issue, which I think comes out very, very soon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I read that. And the last thing I'll say before we go to our break, Inale in Duela, volumes one through three. This is uh, Kamami Shirahama's series before they did Witch Hat Atelier might be one of the most beautiful manga series that I own. It's sitting on my shelf. I read volume two, five out of five, fucking perfect book from beginning <laughs> to end. The story follows an angel and a demon just being angels and demons trying to collect souls for heaven and hell and the shenanigans that they can get up to moving literal heaven and earth to try to accomplish their goals. It's very goofy. I think if you like good omens, like this book feels like it pulls right out of that and uh, turns it into just a wacky over the top manga about an angel and a demon who are fat fashionable women that just want to be both fashionable but also save people for their own respective purposes it's it's very very good and it's so beautiful i posted some pictures on twitter it's just amazing yeah it's amazing just terribly gorgeous book Uh, i can't express that enough i was just in (laughs) shock by how good looking this book was anyways yeah, you know, Paul, to you, definitely get on board with this. I okay. know you're both big manga heads, so like, <laughs> let's just... <laughs> I've got so much other manga uh, I'm busy reading, right? I can't get I know, oh, that's that's true, that's true. Uh, well, we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about our, our top of our pile for this week and wrap things up and call it a good week, but uh, we'll be back in just a second. wrap up the show this week we're going to be talking about comic books that are on the top of our pile and if you're reading new comics this week they dropped on december 8th 2021 let's get right into things tia what is on the top of your pile this week i actually have a really giant beautiful hardcover that's been sitting on my shelf that i have been um wanting to get into and i think probably now's a good time which is maddie once upon a time in the future by alex DeCampi and uh Duncan Jones and like the way that the book is set up, they have um, like it's all one story, but there's different artists on each like chapter basically. Mm. So there's this huge list of amazing artists and the premise is that it's like a sci-fi 
spy book kind of like Maddie was like some elite military like person and um in this world they like outfit them with all kinds of like I guess biotechnology and um now that she is no longer like part of the service it's really hard to maintain all of that so she has to take all these mercenary jobs but like she's constantly in debt and it's like you know just kind of getting worse every time she takes a job i feel like Mm -hmm. this is a very thinly veiled critique of like the va (laughs) i'm I'm here for it (laughs) and so she takes an off the books job to try to just like make enough money to just pay off all of her debt and like take care of herself but then like stuff goes sideways and she's on the run i mean it just sounds like a cool book and and you know as someone who's always like really into the art i uh, i love the idea of having all these different artists some of some of my favorites i can't wait to read the christian ward uh chapter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but like I've just yeah, I mean this this book is massive. So it's definitely one that I um either have to have a ton of patience for to sit down and I'll just like read it from start to finish, or I'll probably like read it and come back and read it and come back. Mm-hmm. This this book I when I got my copy in the mail, uh is it's probably one of the most daunting books on my shelf. <laughs> like not only is it thick, it's tall. Yes. Like it you look at in it, the cover is just it's, it's beautiful, but pink. man, it's intimidating. <laughs> Like you cannot miss. I have to, it. It commands top shelf, uh, like real estate because it's too tall to put in yeah. any middle shelves. <laughs> yeah, and it's bright pink and bright like orange. So you basically just ca- like cannot ignore this book. Yeah. I, but it it intimidates me. It's like it's like coming across like a like a big basketball player or something. You're kind of just like, <laughs> yeah. oh my! Like I didn't know that people could be this big, you know. And it's it's something that I'm like I always I want to sit down and read it, but I know that it, either I'm going to get engrossed to the point where it's like I stay up till four in the morning reading this thing, or it's just going to be intimidating and I'm probably going to have to take it in chunks to just chew on the story because Alex DeCampi doesn't fuck around, you know, yeah. like. Mm-hmm. I I know that I know this about her. So you know what? Um, I wonder if having a different artist on all the chapters might actually make it more digestible if you get into it. Mm, it's kind of maybe. like if you go to a really fancy restaurant where they do like a ten course meal, and you're like, oh. Jesus Christ, how am I ever going to eat a 10 course meal? But at fancy restaurants, they do it properly where the course is literally like five bites of food, right? And mm-hmm. they, and it's like actually beautifully paced and you end the meal feeling happy and satisfied instead of like a stuffed Thanksgiving meal. So yeah, I suspect yeah. that it's one of those. Okay. Well, you know what? You've, you've inspired me. Like I said, I've been trying to get through all my Kickstarter books, and this one's been on my shelf for a long, long time. Uh, maybe I'll actually I'll get up the courage. <laughs> you and I can do we'll this do together, together, Tia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Paul, what about you? What are what are you excited for? What are you reading next? You know, uh, I'll I'll be open and honest. I This is the top of my pile because it's coming out this, this Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But of course, I'm probably not going to end up reading it for another month just as the way i just consume comics these days so that's a giant caveat yeah. um uh what's next on my pile is the books i bought like two weeks ago but <laughs> but <laughs> this week uh there's a new issue of batman coming out of course batman number 118 um and we have a brand new creative team on batman it's gonna be written by joshua williamson and art 
by Jorge Molina. Ooh. So the end of the uh, James Tinian the Fourth Batman run is has come to an end. Um, I really enjoyed his take or their take on on Batman, and um, that run sort of culminated in this big story called Fear State, which was a fun Batman crossover. I really enjoyed Fear State, but it's over. Gotham City survived thanks to the help of Batman and the whole Bat family. And we get a new fresh start. And the synopsis for this is that Batman is um, initially after Fear State ends, which if you're not reading Fear State, it's this big story where Scarecrow is taking over Gotham. There's uh, an attempt to establish a sort of mechanized police state in Gotham, fighting Batman's fighting all that, yada, yada, yada. Um, so Batman at the end of Fear State is kind of retreated into their their dark place. Like I need time to myself. Like that was that was a tough one, you know, to to work through. Um, but then he's drawn out. Of course, he can't just rest on his laurels or, or brood too much. He has to go overseas uh, because the wonderful Batman Incorporated is, is back. So if you read Grant Morrison's Batman, you know that they established the idea of Batman being a franchise and there was a Batman franchise all around the planet. And each country, each major metropolitan city had their own version of Batman, therefore Batman Incorporated. Uh, so Josh Williamson is bringing that idea back and I love it. What I would love to see is more sort of fun Batman stories. And I think this might be a way to do it. Fear State was yeah. fun, but in a very, you know, sort of dark brooding way, which sometimes you want from Batman. <laughs> I think Williamson is a, is a writer who can do both. Like he can kind of make Batman fun and goofy in the way that it works for me sometimes, you know? So. Yeah. I, yeah. I really liked the little bits of flash that I read by Williamson. Yeah. Um, and I think he had like a really lighthearted kind of feel to the story. At least the, the bits that I read, I gave up, can only read a, a mainstay DC book for so long sure. before I truly start to get lost in the ether of like, who is this thing and why Why do I need to know this continuity thing? Yeah. I'm sure that you feel the same way when you read X-Men books. I totally get it. Uh, but yeah, yeah I would, I'd be interested to try this if only because I feel like Williamson is making his way through some of the major DC books and like, yeah. I feel like his takes are really fresh. It's really interesting. Yeah, you know, and again, like one of the things I always like, the benefit of reading a series like this regularly is to see the creative team's change and to see new takes on the character you know yeah. batman's not going to change that much but if you can kind of shift the status quo enough to make it feel fresh you know that's always exciting and i've actually sort of found lately that probably to no one's surprise that when i want something that's comforting when i want comics that i can just kind of sit back and read and enjoy and ease myself you know back into reading comics regularly it's always i always go back to batman so i've also been kind of doing that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, on Hoopla, they have all the collections of the Dark Knight Detective, which is like Batman comics from the mid to late 80s and early 90s. And that's all stuff I've read in the past. But lately, I've gone back to read more of that stuff. And it is almost like a good home cooked meal or a comforting blanket. You know, it's, oh, this is the mm -hmm. Batman I read as a kid. It's very comforting. You know, it's that's the kind of stuff I like. And if you can, what's nice about that stuff, the Dark Knight Detective stuff, is that there was an attempt to have the influence of the Adam West sixties Batman without it feeling like an homage or a copy of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's a nice mix mm -hmm. of both. And I think if you can pull that off, you're speaking my language, you know, that's the kind of stuff I like to read. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Joshua Williamson and Jorge Molina have in store for, for Gotham city. Sounds exciting. Mm -hmm. to let me know. Mm -hmm. Might try it. I might try for one issue and then go, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> um, 
Well, uh, before I get into my pick, uh, Danny's hanging out with us in the chat. And, you know, if you are coming to our recordings on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard, you can hang out with us as we record our episodes live and give us your top of your pile pick for the week. Danny is reading Buffy, the last Vampire Slayer, number one. Hasn't she always been the last Vampire Slayer? I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Be really curious. I'm I'm glad to hear that the Buffy series is continuing. That's very exciting. Um, But my pick for this week is Buckhead number one, written by Shobo Coker with art by George Kambadias. The story here, I don't know what this is, is from Boom Studios. Uh, Toba and his mother are renowned scientists who have just immigrated to the U.S. But instead of living in the big city like Toba always dreamed, they've moved to a sleepy little town in the Pacific Northwest called Buckhead. Toba and his newfound friends find a strange video game, a perfect replica of the town and its people. Soon Toba is on the run from Men in Black with his friends brainwashed by microchips. What is the deal (laughs) with the United States Pacific Northwest and mysterious weird shit? Paul Tia, can you guys help me understand this? Okay, actually, I have the answer. I have the answer, which is listen to the podcast Tannis. Okay. That's it. That's the answer. Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) Paul, uh, your take. You know, I as someone who's slowly rewatching all of Twin Peaks, I'm right there with you, Mike. I don't know what's going on in the water up there, uh, but you know, it's you know, it's it's the black and white lodge up there, and uh, obviously the owls are not what they seem if you watch Twin Peaks. Mm. So it's it's a whole okay. nature is uh, doing some weird stuff up there. So. Well, it's it's like this, and like you know, obviously this story. I feel like you look at something like Gravity Falls cartoon show, which is great, but it's like Pacific Northwest and these just crazy things happening in the forest or twin peaks Mm -hmm. or i mean there's a zillion things that happen in this area for some reason like washington oregon idaho mountainous areas and it's just like something strange is out there and i feel (laughs) like we get this with like the appalachia range or appalachia area right Mm -hmm. like there's this thing of like the mystery in the forest and oh yeah never say your name out loud in appalachia right oh and if you hear someone call your name do not go to them (laughs) Yeah, I, oh, Tia, don't even, this, that sent chills up my spine. The other night, I was like, it was like two in the morning, and it was really warm um, in our apartment, so I had like a window open, and like someone had said that in like a YouTube video that I watched, and I walked over to fill up my glass in front of this window, and I was like, if I heard my name, what would I do? And I like (laughs) put myself into a panic. It was like dark outside because like I, I live in like the suburbs of jersey but it's still kind of foresty and i'm like what would i do and i started just freaking out about it that shit scares the living hell out of me okay well then i'm gonna say listen to tannis but hold kelly's hand while you do listen to tannis during the day yeah. gotcha uh, <laughs> well either way this book looks like it could be a lot of fun yeah. um i think uh the art looks very nice and it seems like a fun little story um from boom you can usually trust some of these stories over there from them so i'm really excited to check out this number one i did have a couple runner-ups that i was gonna pick but i refused to uh <laughs> one star squadron number one this is from dc written by mark russell with art by steve lieber like what a pair yeah. right wow. the idea is like capitalism meets heroism where like you use an app and heroes will show up this sounds like dial h kind of but maybe a little bit skeevier uh <laughs> i don't know there's literally there's literally a 2000 ad story there's a judge red story where someone establishes a thing called dial a hero and you could like if you're right. worried about getting mugged you can call this number and a hero like a superhero will show up and like prevent you from getting mugged so right like, it's kind of the same thing i, I don't know yeah. what this is red tornado is at the focus of this there's like a whole t i don't know okay. dc's weird guys i don't understand it <laughs> two other things i saw crimson cage number one i don't know who this is from but the, the synopsis was rebat or excuse me Macbeth reimagined as a wrestling match okay mm-hmm. so like i don't know paul maybe maybe it's <laughs> tell me right. more all right interesting uh, okay. 
I'll let you go and Google it because it looks it definitely has a look to it. Okay. And then the last thing I'll mention is Cowboy Bebop number one because Titan Comics can't stop publishing just licensed comics. Um, I can't imagine that this book is going to sell well because I feel like no one liked the series. I haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but I feel like I've only seen negative press about it. So I don't know. Um, yeah, just, you know, sometimes browsing League of Comic Geeks to see what's coming out every week. There are some some real um, rocks in the dirt. And I'm, <laughs> I'm always surprised by what I come up with. <laughs> um anyways so i i think that kind of wraps things up for this episode tia i'm so excited that you're back we'll get you back in the rotation for the show really excited to see what you're going to be catching up on as you plow through the the many comics that i'm sure you have in your backlog <laughs> yeah it's it's going to be fun it's going to be fun glad to be back yeah um well i guess to wrap things up next week's episode is going to be actually brian and kate with me we're going to be talking about the goodreads challenge right before it ends on december 16 if you haven't started there's like 19 books to read. You've got two weeks. Good luck. Wow. Brian and Kate are going to be talking about what books they picked um, and their thoughts on some of the books that they uh, read for the challenge, which is going to be really exciting. And I'm like two books away now. So I'm probably going to be catch- caught up by next week. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Tia at Portrait of Madam X. You can follow Paul at Oh Hi Paul. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. And you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. Join now at patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you haven't already, please take a minute to rate and review our show. I think five stars is a fair rating. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps spread the word about IRCB and uh, benefits the show. Join the IRCB Discord community to chat about comics and literally pretty much anything else. And you can listen to our episodes live as we record them. And you can check the link in the show notes to do that. It really would help us a lot if you told us your friends about the show and maybe mention it next time you're at the comic shop. I will say we're getting real hyped about the new Expanse series that's coming out. So if, if Expanse is your deal, you should join the Discord and come <laughs> hang out with us. We might be doing like live watch-alongs. We'll see. Um, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a very, very, very cool guy. And he makes us sound cool every single week. We appreciate him. He is our editor. I want to say thanks to Paul and Tia for being on this episode. Thank you to Danny for listening live. Thank you to everyone out there for listening and downloading the show and sharing it and talking about it and just being fantastic people. Until next time, comics are good and so are you.